Hi, everyone. It's Marilyn Alori, and welcome to Who Can It Be Now? Today, I have a very special guest, Adina Badia. You know what? I never asked how you say your last name. It's Bada. Bada. Adina Bada. Adina, I've known you for how long do you think now? Oof, I want to say 2017. Uh, I you say 20 years. I'm like, girl, I haven't been doing this for that no. long. It's almost since, 20 since 2017, 20, 2016, 2017, something 20, like that. 2016, 2017, and she's been in a few of my programs, Membership for Your Soul. She's done a mastermind with me, and now she's in Next Level Living. And the reason why I wanted to interview Adina is because she's a scientist. And I'm fascinated with science and scientists and their um, take on life. And I've been uh, researching it myself. Obviously, I'm not Adina, who is a scientist. Um, so I just wanted to, I was so curious, and I wanted to interview her with all of you to just find out like why a scientist would also go into the metaphysical, like what is the draw for her and what is she learning from both sides of the table, which really there's a lot of, I think, crossover, but she'll tell you more than me. And um, I thought that this would be a really great conversation for all of us, especially in next level living right now. We're dealing a lot more with atmosphere stuff, like going out into the past the universe into atmosphere, soul atmosphere, different types of energies. And, Adina always comes in with different types of things that she knows as a scientist. And we're like, it's very, very fascinating. So welcome, Adina. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so so um, give us a little bit of background about like where you're from and um, how you became, decided to do science, like what kind of scientist you are. Right. Um, so I, my science has been adapting as as I go. So I, I'm originally from Romania. And when I was little and through, I want to say mid high school, I was very passionate about math. So I was a little mathematician. And um, even back then, I had, um, I had this, answers would just come to me. Um, I liked, I, I worked really hard as well, but I just, I had this connection to math. It just makes sense. It clicked um, in a way that wasn't necessarily proportional, or at least to a certain extent, it wasn't necessarily proportional to the amount of work. Um, there was an, a level of inspiration that came for me with math. Um, and I have this, um, this uh, memory, very distinct memory. I, I used to participate in local math competitions um, and there was this, uh, instance this year where I had all of, I was at the end of the exam and I had all of the answers except for one. It was, there was this one last one that was escaping me. It was a hard, it was probably the most hard, um, question of them all. Um, and it just felt, I felt like I, it was there and I just wasn't grasping it. And it, there were only three kids left in the room. And there were these two girls. One of them was in front of me seated and the other one was behind. And then one of them told me, hey, can you pass this pen next to the, uh, to the girl behind you? And then I looked at the pen and there was a little paper stuck in there, probably the solution to the problem, right? And as I passed it, I, I, I didn't want to be a jerk, right? Or, or maybe I, I wouldn't have been a jerk, but I got so angry. It's like, ah. Oh they're cheating, you know, like one of them knows and the other one doesn't, but what, both of them are going to get points. Um, and I don't know that that focused me. And I just, I got it. It just clicked. The answer clicked. And so I had, I got the answer right before the time 
the timer went buzz. G give your answers now. And the three of us were the only ones with the maximum points on that on that at that competition. Wow. Um, yeah. Why, and it why was do you just, think it clicked at that point? Focus. I I I think it was one of those things where uh, emotion focuses uh, for me. Emotion focuses. Um, I guess channeling because I didn't know that that's what I was doing, but that's what I that's what I did in that instance, right? I I channeled the answer. And for me in that moment, I think it was, I don't know, uh, fairness, this, this uh, kind of fuzzy concept of fairness. It's like, it's not fair that, okay, one of them is smart, but the other one, not quite as, or not, not, didn't get the answer, didn't get there by herself and she's still going to get it. Um, and so I, I, I honestly, I'm still through my work with you, I'm still trying to um, discover the best ways to get or the the clearest way, the easiest way for me to get th that clear channeling. Uh, what are the tools to get the channeling to be as to go as smooth as, as smoothly as possible? So I want to ask you about that. But before we ask you about that, so you became your PhD. What is your main focus in science as of today? Yes. Yeah, so in, in high school, I um, got attracted to chemistry. Um, and for me, it was my my road in science was always dictated by following what I find interesting. And um, if doors closed, and for math, the doors kind of closed because I, I, it's it's here. I, I see it here too in in the U.S. Too. There's a certain um, misogyny, right? Perception that girls can't do math uh, that permeates the schooling system a lot of the times. Um, and so, in uh, in high school, I got um, essentially I got stopped <laughs> by a couple of math teachers that were not very uh, open to. To coaching girls as as the way they did boys, um, and so I was old enough at the time to realize that it's not it's not me, right? But it also didn't feel like a battle worth fighting for because I found I found chemistry. So it was one of those things where a door closes, but some another door opens. Um, so my chemistry teacher was very much empowering and encouraging, um, and it was almost kind of like a new world where I could use the same type of skills and to um, channel my 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 thirst for knowledge, my thirst for piercing through the unknown, because that's that's ultimately what it, what draws me to science. Um, and I stuck to science to chemistry for um, a very long time through my PhD, and in my PhD, which is where I met you, um, I was beginning to lose a little bit of that steam. I think um, it's not only chemistry uh, specific, but I think a lot of sciences can get um, really bogged into the details of a specific project, especially when you get to the PhD level. Your project is kind of this little narrow thing that you are focusing on and you're trying to um, advance human knowledge, but in this very specific, small, at mm -hmm. uh, small yet big at the same time uh, piece. And if you are 
aligned with your advisor, if you happen to find the advisor that looks at the same question that um, draws the best out of you or that draws the most interest out of you, then that's great. But I, a lot that doesn't happen for everyone during their PhD. And I, I that's where I see a lot of people lose their passion. Um, and for me, I had to essentially block information from the outside and focus on discrete signals and on symbolism. And um, a lot of that came from uh, watching what you were doing. Um, so I discovered you uh, on one of Jennifer McLean's um, predictions. And um, I liked you. I liked what you did. I liked how you went about things. Um, I, you had a different sound from everybody else. And so I was like, I kind of like how, how she sounds. I like how she talks. I like how she approaches these things. Um, and then I just, from tool to tool, uh, I found that it just clicked for me, that I believed the system. I believed that the tools would work. Uh, and I saw that they worked for me. Uh, and that helped me wade through a lot of uncertainty, through a lot of options. Uh, part of the reason why I feel inspiration is so important in science is because you have so many things that you could look into, so many problems that you can fix, so many questions that you could answer. And how do you know the one that's the most, the one that is the most worth your time or your life on this earth? And for that, you need a little bit more than just a systematic approach of, well, I have... 300 questions that I could look at. And if I spend 30 minutes looking at each of these to decide what the best 100 are and then the best 50, and then that that's just a lot. That's just a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of, uh, even in your PhD, a lot of people say, oh, luck is still, luck still plays a lot of, a, a big role in how successful people are during their PhDs. And I feel like just saying luck is very disempowering, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's it's almost like they acknowledge, right? They acknowledge that there's more than just taking an, a systematic approach to science in order to succeed, in order to find something truly valuable. Um, and I think people talk about inspiration in science all the time, but nobody really says what it is, <laughs> right? Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. First question is, this is great. Um, you must have had moments of like metaphysical or symbols before you like went on to, and you heard me on Jennifer McLean's thing. So what was one of those moments where you, you felt like there was something else outside of systematic approaches? Right. Um, the moment that I talked to about that that competition, that's when I realized that um, that was one of them. When I realized that I, um, I didn't know, right? There was none of the problems that I had practiced with up until that point were that problem, right? I I didn't know. I didn't have direct access to that solution. That's not something that I remembered. Um, that's something that I got by putting two and two together, um, and that's also that essentially that taught me that. I need to ask. <laughs> I need to ask and and I will I ask and you shall receive. That was that was one of the moments. 
Um, and Did then, you know who you're asking though? Like, are you asking God? Are you asking the universe? Are you asking energy? Who are you asking? I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I knew at the time who I was asking. I have been raised in a religious, uh, somewhat religious household. So we believe in God. Right. Um, not very, um, not very intensely or like they're not my family is not very prone to uh you know following rituals uh they they i think they did at some point but it it's more of a culturally acceptable um practice not yeah practice of religion not 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 define it doesn't define any of them they don't you know being christian because that's what we are that being christian doesn't necessarily define who they are but it is very much yes um and so that that helped me um but i have to say that at that moment i didn't think i didn't think necessarily that i was asking god for Mm -hmm. for a solution um it was more of a i just yes out in the universe like i need the answer now and then here it was yeah, but you trusted uh, that you would get the answer or something. Did you have a trust for that? Or it was just that moment it proved that there was a trust that you could ask and something would come through. It proved to me that I need to do more than just because right that this exam was was long. I want to say it was two or three hours. So for two or three hours, I had um drawn my usual uh, drawn on my usual resources right like what I remember what I could deduce from a plus like you know one plus one is two and so on um but in that moment it proved to me that I need to do a little more than that I need to go beyond the um deduction skills that I had trained up until that point um there was something about the time pressure too. And I, I still have a, a complicated, I, I always call it a complicated relationship to deadlines. I don't like them, but I need them. I feel like without deadlines, things don't get done. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but at that point, I felt that I needed something bigger than myself. Um, that wouldn't come to me unless I asked for it. And so, so- it didn't... From that moment forward, were you continuing to do that then to trust that there was something outside the deductions and the education? Yes, um, but it mostly I I didn't have a um, I didn't consciously do it like that. I had a what what people would say is uh, what people would call an unreasonable faith in myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I decided pretty late in high school that I wanted to um, apply to U.S. colleges and universities and and go to the U.S. for or come to the U.S. because I'm here now uh, for college because I was interested in in research and there weren't that many opportunities um, in Romania at that point. and uh, everybody told me that I, I started the process too late and that I would have to wait a year or two uh, in order to make it happen. And that was just something that I didn't want to do. I, 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 I still don't want, I don't like wasting, wasting time. <laughs> it's like, I, well, it, it feels like the only reason you don't think that I can do it is because from your experience, everybody takes X months and I am 
too late for that in the game. Um, but I think I can do it in fewer months. Um, and so I actually said no to a lot of um, a, a lot of people who offered to coach me or mentor me because they came with these conditions of, oh, well, I'll take you, but you have to spend a year because that's how really you, you know that you will absolutely get in. Um, and I didn't, I didn't agree with that. And I, I didn't, I wasn't necessarily successful from the very beginning. Uh, I did, uh, I, I took the SATs and I think some of them I had to take a couple of times because the first time I didn't score as high as I would have liked or as high as people said that I, that they needed to be. Um, uh, but I gave myself the extra chance. Um, my, my parents wanted me to stay and do med school at home or pharmacy. Uh, and so for a while, I, I I was burning the candle at both ends by also following my passion of coming to the U.S., but also spending time into the the backup, <laughs> the backup option. And at some point I had to tell them, no, this is going to work. I, But it's not going to work if I keep dividing myself into. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have to choose. I have to go with this. I have to believe that it's going to work. And I, I didn't have a doubt. Um, I think I never, up until I started working um, and and paying more attention with these tools and and with you, I don't know that I knew necessarily that I was tapping into something else when I when I had this this faith in myself. But I I never let the past define what I can do mm. in the now and in the future. Um, I never allowed the past to to prevent me from having faith in in uh, my success just because I haven't tried it before or because others have tried and they failed. Um, and and it was it was great. Um, and then I have to say that then I got to college and then grad school and some of that went away. Social conditioning is is really something. <laughs> social conditioning is really something and when you go somewhere it's it, and, and I mean it's competitive environments and everybody tells you in order to beat the competition you have to be xyz um and if you're not then you don't fit here or you're not you don't look like who's someone who's going to be successful or you're you didn't you haven't um gone through all the steps in order to be successful um and I I lost some of that momentum, um, but I have to say that that again by um, and and I had some friends too. I had some. Now I'm beginning to realize some some people who were placed very very opportunely. So when I was at my lowest, there was this something that a person said, and you know I'm I, I'm not even I'm, I was thinking back on it. It's like I'm, I'm not even. In, contact with them anymore they weren't really a longtime friend and they didn't stick around for too long but they were there to give me exactly the the words that I needed um when I was about to let the system tell me that uh, I should abandon ship or something uh, um and then I I switched I switched tracks and I ended up bumping into something that I I'm I'm now in um uh, I'm in the clinical space. I still, I'm still a chemist, um, but I use my chemistry knowledge for patient care. Um, and I, I did notice in grad school that I was, I was a little bit more of a people person. I liked people. I liked to Im- impact people. 
um, more than my my colleagues. Um, I didn't really consider it weird at the time, but then when you when you start feeling like the only one, it's like, oh, maybe maybe there's something to lean into here. Um, and there are certain points when you're when you're in a training program of any kind, they they tend to be very formulaic, right? You the this is they they're structured and they define success in a specific way, and you need to. Um, you need to hit all oh, of the benchmarks in order to track and everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and there, there were certain points when, you know, you hit all the benchmarks and, and you look at the future is like, okay, but I mean, I hit all the benchmarks and then from here, I only have one or two options and I don't like it, either of those options. So what do I do? Right. Um, and I don't think I'm, I, a lot of people are like that. And, and a lot of people, who find their way out of that don't realize that what they're doing is leaning into inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I I started talking to a bunch of people um, and honestly, a lot of these people did not have, they, they didn't have similar backgrounds to mine, but I, it, I didn't know that that's what I was doing, uh, but I was listening. I it, it was symbols, so they they would say certain words that that uh, sparked interest. Um, and when I started listening, I think I I had joined your membership, or you had no, you had your free group um, before membership, which I don't remember the name of, but uh, I was part of that, um, and I was going to interviews. Uh, and I was looking for symbols and messages in flowers, in uh, butterflies, in insects, in animals, as I was going to all my interviews. Um, and I didn't choose the interview that best matched my background. I chose the interview where I got the best vibe or the location where I got the best vibe from the place, from the people. Um, and it's very, right, it's hard to define the vibe that you get from people, but that's what I followed. Um, and I never regretted it. I never regret the way I chose. So, all right. So I love that. So I have a question for you because you've said this word a few times. How do you define inspiration? Because you mm -hmm. keep using the word inspiration. How do you define it? What is inspiration to you? To me, inspiration is connect connection to source and also, um, making a connection to source but also making connections between between earth and and beyond right between our our space our our 3d space and and higher spheres higher uh higher spirit um between what is made manifest and and ideas um, and that's something that I, this type of connection, it's it, bringing ideas into a solid form is feel, is what I feel science, material sciences. Not all of science is materialistic, I know. Um, I know a lot of science thinks there's theoretical science like math, um, theoretical physics, theoretical chemistry, but I was always more attracted to the science that leaves you with with something material at the end um and so in 
inspiration to me is um, when you have a thousand options, one of them just lights up. And the reason it lights up is not anything that your mind could come up with. So beyond, beyond in cognition or cognitive intelligence. That, love, that is how I define inspiration. I love that. And when you have inspiration, I love that what you just said. So now I have another question for you, because now I'm going to go into some of these. It's interesting how you use symbols and how you're allowing it to um, inform you in your work. Are you still doing that today as you're working? Are you still allowing the work that we're doing? How are you allowing it to inform your work? I, I think I do it now more than ever before, um, because since I am involved in decisions that impact patient care, um, I need to be fast. Um, and so a lot of the times when you're presented with a situation uh, and I logically think, okay, it could be this, 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 or this. Um, and the order you, you still need to disprove, prove or disprove them, but the order you take them to investigate the, the uh, differentials, for instance, that so the specific causes for a patient's presentation um, is very important because if the first one that you look at is right, they is correct they can start treating whereas i investigate the other options as well um, and so it's very important for me to know if one of the options feels feels truer than the others and investigate that first um, and of course we'll do our due diligence and investigate all of them but but if you get a hit the first time they can start using that right away um, and by they i mean uh frontline Right. Uh, healthcare workers. Do you think more people use that, Adina, than actually recognize that that's what they're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, when I was looking into these things, I, I, and I also was trying to define whether I'm still interested in, in my line of science. And I was reading a lot about, um, professional, professional into, they call it yeah, professional intuition, like chemical intuition. So people who have, uh, and they usually talked about it in the context of people who have spent their entire lives working in that field. So people with a lot of experience, they were saying how, <clears throat> um, because they've their brain already has access to so much information that they've uh, amassed throughout uh, throughout their professional experience they don't actually have time to think about when they are presented with a with a uh, a problem um they don't consciously dig into their memories uh, and to to extract the right information and say it's this um their brain actually does it it's almost like a reflex it mm -hmm. does it a lot faster um and so they call that professional intuition but they still attribute it to the brain. <laughs> so, um, right. And they, they say that the brain makes shortcuts that you are not aware of uh, in order to reach the right conclusion faster based on how much experience you have. Um, and I think that makes sense when you talk about people who have been in the field for 40 years, but I have seen people be very intuitive. They're, they're way too young for that 
for that theory to um, to necessarily apply to them. I'm not a cognitive scientist, though, so maybe they can tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> Wait, so what do you think the brain is? Ah, uh, scientifically? <laughs> uh, it's a good question, right? I don't know. I want to know how you would answer that. I've never even asked myself that. Um, I, I, I mean, def the brain is definitely an organ. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I love to to be fair though. Um, I love the brain because we don't really understand it very mm -hmm. well. Um, we cognitive science is very interesting, and neuroscience. They, I think they have one of the highest rates of discovery um, among all the scientists uh, sciences that I've I've been. Uh, dabbling into um as with a lot of things i think that the physical presence of said organ in this case the brain um people tend to with scientists right tend to attribute all of the brain all of the capacities of the mind to the physical organ of the brain right to how cells work and how cells connect to each other and how quickly they can transfer an electrical impulse from one cell to another. Um, but that's all, I mean, that's all we know, right? We don't know of anything beyond that. And a lot of the times, a lot of what I see us do and a lot of what people are capable of doing in terms of creativity um, feels like it extends be well beyond the physical system of uh, nerve cells. Uh, interacting with each other um so i i think that we we think of the mind or we when we speak of the mind a lot of us think about it as attached to our brain right you can't have the mind without without the brain or at least that's what that's what we think right um but i in terms of what knowledge is and and whether inspiration pertains to the mind or not um i i think it's in, inspiration is your connection to to spheres beyond the mind um and i have to say that um i'm i'm always looking i'm always looking in into the most recent uh discoveries in neuroscience or in cognitive science and i always um, I'm always looking to see if there's anything out there that that has extended a little bit beyond of uh, beyond this 3D. Sometimes I even find it 2D <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, view of of what the brain is and what it does. Um, it definitely is. Uh, we we are physical conduits for everything, and so. Um, uh, it I, it definitely does need the health of the organ itself in order to work um, as uh, cognitive decline and and mental health is always very um, very sad to see um, when you witness it, it it does feel like uh, in a way that that parts of that person are are missing or that person or the parts of that person are going away um and so the physical definitely has a, a role but i i think we can learn to transcend that and i really would like a little bit more of that 
um, to be visible, to be researched, <laughs> or at least to be a little more visible in um, in in how scientific questions get formulated. Um, and I think I, I've I've seen a lot of scientists who maybe after they retire from their career in science, um, step aside and then they start either talking or writing about um, about the metaphysical. Um, I don't know that that it's very accepted yeah. in in many sciences. So uh, it's one of those things where if you want to keep working in in science and if you want to to still do your research resources related to research are also right um they're they they kind of belong to the system right so if you want to use their resources to answer questions the questions need to be formulated in a way that's accepted by the field um i since i i've i've found myself a little more a little happier with with my role in the system when I apply it to patient health because it, it feels much more uh, true. You know, it feels it feel it feels much more um, consistent with my with my values. You know, um, I I've at least for now I've stopped asking questions that that pierce the. Uh, the fabric of of what we understand from a metaphysical point of view, right? For me now, it's more it's more applied. Uh, it's how can we improve uh, patient care? How can we improve the tools that we have in order to to care for our patients? And a lot of the times, it's um, how can we uh, figure out mechanism me mechanisms of of um, patient presentation as they relate to, in my case, um, as they relate to environmental toxins. And um, that's uh, not as, how should I say? Uh, um, it's it's not as esoteric, right, for for science. Um, so, so I still I still leave my mark, my my positive uh, uh, my a positive impact on uh, people, even though I don't, and, and I don't have to shatter the, uh, shatter any uh, overall vision of what science is in the process. I love that, thank you. So I have a, um, how do you, how did we get here? What's your belief system about how humans Encrust, you know, incarnated on the earth. Oh wow! How did we get here? <laughs> we as in humans. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and I understand, like, as we're recording this, this is what you're going to answer today, and this may shift or change with the knowledge and the wisdom that you gather as you move forward. So, I just want to put that out there because um, you're a scientist. You're going to keep growing and understanding. But go ahead. I know I never told Adina these are the questions I'm asking her. So <laughs> no, but I should have known. With it. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> um, well, what do you believe to be true for right now? 
And if you right. can't answer it, it's totally fine because no, I want that's to fine. Know. I'm going to I'm going to to take a stab at it. Uh, so I oh I have always well I shouldn't say I have always believe I have come to believe uh, in a way that we are we are kind of on a spool. Uh, the, our our life our life on Earth is 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 school Earth. Um, and I do believe we graduate um, to something bigger and better. Um, I don't have the name of the book right now. I used to I used to read a lot of sci-fi books, um, and and maybe I still I still would if I had some more time. But uh, free time has dwindled. So, um, but when I do, um, I I like to listen to uh, sci-fi books or read sci-fi books and look at sci-fi movies, mo mostly because I'm really really fascinated by space um and and these big energies that are planets and stars and space in general i don't think it's empty it would be such mm -hmm. <laughs> such a waste of space <laughs> if yeah. it were empty right um and so as i've 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 never felt that we were alone, even as a little kid. I never felt that we were alone. I was when people say, "Oh, do aliens exist?" Absolutely. I don't think we're alone. It would be so sad. <laughs> it would be so sad, and it doesn't feel it doesn't ring true. Um, but I also wondered, um, and I speak I speak to scientists about this, and it's especially older older scientists. They have this regret that they you know they spent all of their lives researching something and they they come to the end of their lives and they don't know if they don't know if they were not not that they were right but they haven't figured it out they don't know what it's all about mm -hmm. and I try to tell them it's like well I I think you will um I think you it doesn't end right it doesn't end when you when you when you die so just to get back to your um to your question i think we are here to hone our powers so to speak right our powers of of manipulating energy so you you learn that you have control over manifesting you learn that your words and your thoughts and your feelings have power um, and you do so on a smaller scale, right? Uh, if I say I want to make something, it's going to take time and effort and physical resources. Uh, but maybe once we graduate from school earth, you think something and it instantly happens or you think something and and planets start moving, right? Um, there, there was a model in one of the books, and I do not remember which one it is. I'll probably go back to it and, and let you know, um, where uh, people find ways to sort of uh, make clones of themselves, and then those clones, their lives um, get, their experiences get uploaded into the primary person who then lives longer and so then you have your small your small versions of yourself who live say 100 years and they have experiences 
and then all of their experiences become part of your knowledge and then the big version of yourself lives 2000 years and the 2000 years version of you doesn't have the same goals and concerns as the 100 year version of you the 2000 year version of you um builds worlds right um and and you interact with other 2000 years versions of other people and so that that model gave me a I, I i really that that model appealed to me not in the clone sense of the of the word but more in the you are it, just like with a school system in a way <laughs> you um grow your your powers your uh awareness of who you are and what you can do in a small setting and then as you move on um i would love to think that we move to outer space and i don't know that we necessarily get assigned a planet or a, a celestial body uh, or a star um but at that point our our will our 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 way to and i say will for the lack of a better reason our way to manipulate energy actually has bigger effects um maybe we get to communicate with with people who are on earth and and inspire them <laughs> to, to weave inspiration back into uh into our conversation um and in terms of how so that's that's i'm answering your question of how we got there with where we're going yeah well that makes sense <laughs> uh, um and so in terms of how we got here um i do believe that we are the fact that we are here is the the will of of multiple energies higher than ourselves whether there are um right beings that were once on earth who knows how many years centuries ago um and now they know okay now earth needs this um. and this will come through adina or through marilyn right I love that. I love that. I love the clones. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> All right. So the last question, there was more I wanted to ask you, but we'll possibly do another one. What are you hoping to do with what you're learning as you continue to learn? Because we're learning, you know, it's interesting. I, I didn't know, like, I'm very interested in space too. And obviously you are too, and playing with time and everything like that. But with everything that you're gathering, everything you're learning on an intuitive metaphysical level, as well as on a physical level, you know, educational and what you're reading, what are you hoping to do with this information? That's a very good, that's a very good question. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know if every scientist is like this, but I think at least at a certain point, even if that was in infancy, um, every scientist hopes to, uh, to discover something you know uh and and many pe people talk about it in different ways some people say oh win the nobel prize but you win the nobel prize because you discovered something right <laughs> i mean it's not the prize it's i i think <laughs> it's not the prize i think it's the the act of discovery um 
or oh yeah, the, 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 they want their name in a book. Well, yeah, your name is in a book because you discovered something, right? right. <laughs> it's not, it's not because it's not because of and I, I don't think people are actually looking for the accolades. They want to be the kind of person. So to 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 do to have that kind of impact that then would naturally generate accolades. Um and so it's like I said, there are very many questions that what could be one can be um, asking and and setting to to find the answer to. Um, and so I I am constantly looking for that to to further hone in on on what is what is my piece, you know what uh, what is really the specific area which will likely end up being very focused as it does, <laughs> as it normally does in science. Um, that specific area that would benefit from me, from me being the person asking the question and working towards it. Um, and I have been, uh, every time you set on with a project, it's like, this is it. And then at some point it's like, eh, this is not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and usually, when the nope maybe this is not it comes in, that's when the question is okay. So then, if it's not this, what is it? And at that time, in in the in the moment in time where you are, all of your experiences have led you to a point where you have a number of choices. And the best choice, I always I always strive to make the best choice based on all of the tools that I have. Um, but it, it, yes, it is the one that ends up feeling like the best one, right? And and contributing to that feeling are a bunch of things that we talk about in next level living, um, and and honing in the, on how to feel for that is is what we talk a lot about in NLL, um, and I I'm looking forward to it because I do I have been having more and more faith in my in my my journey uh and the path that i took to get here um thanks to a lot of our tools and thanks to the trust that it trust in the process trust in in our our team our celestial team because we're never alone um and um my goal is to just keep going unwaveringly so um and of course say no to distractions because the, because there are so many <laughs> so many <laughs> thank you i love i just want to thank you so much adina and i want to just highlight something you said that i think is so important is the you know just continuing to say yes having that unwavering belief that if it's not this thing right now this thing brought you to the next thing of where you're going to find what you need to find and I see so many people and I know you do too, that give up because maybe that wasn't the thing. And, and instead of thinking like I, I chose wrong or I did this or did that instead, just seeing it as a piece of information, a piece of the experience, and then moving forward. I think it's so important to have that mindset to move forward. I agree. Yeah. Cause that's I mean, where... sorry, would you say any? I was just going to say that's where not letting anybody else tell you what yeah. success is, is very important. I agree. That's so important. And, 
every day I was saying this to somebody because I was talking to somebody who's older than me. And I was like, yeah, but every day is a new beginning. Like you have to look at every day. Your life isn't over because you're in your seventies or, you know, and they want to argue with me that I'm not that age yet. And I'm like, well, I'm just trusting that with all I'm doing that I'm always going to see it as a new beginning, new beginning, new beginning. It's not like starting over. It's just, what am I going to discover today? And it sounds to me a lot like you live your life like that as well. Yes. And it's, it's not easy, but it just get it gets easier when you have the right tools and the right people around you. Yeah. Uh, it, it gets easier and uh, it, it gets more natural when you see so many people go through that too and succeed through it. Yes. True. Oh, thank you so much, Adina. Is there anything else you want to end with as we end? We've got to close out, but is there anything else you want to say? And it's not about me. It's anything you want to say. I was just, you know, how I was telling you that I don't have names of, of any of the books or the shows on me right now, but I did remember one. Um, and that was the, and I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was the OA, the, the oh, first yes. season. Yes. The, it's not. I think it, they only did two seasons and I think they stopped, but go ahead. Um, I know it was the, so good. There was this, this uh, character who was very gray if if not uh dark gray <laughs> who was studying uh death right mm-hmm. uh he and at some point he recorded the sound of that he recorded the sound of of what he attributed to the soul leaving the body uh and while the soul was out of the body and he also managed to somehow coin that sound to the sound that's that you can hear in the rings of saturn so uh, the soul was traveling <laughs> out in space um, before it came back because these were near-death experiences. So I that was that was one of the things about that show that I absolutely liked, the love that it connected where we go um, after this to space. And I sure hope that's true because that would be very exciting. <laughs> yeah. And none of us really know. And that's why we're here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I figured out. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Adina. And thank you, everyone. Remember to uh, rate, review and subscribe. And in order to rate and review, especially on Apple podcast, you have to go to the show and not to the episode, go to the show and then go down and you'll see the little stars and you can leave me a review and also share with all your friends. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day or evening whenever you're listening to this. And that is all. Thanks a lot.